Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Fumble. It's myself, Vernon Kay, and the man with the numbers, the facts and stats, Mr. Darren Fletcher. Darren, uh, have you recovered yet from our Monday night football appearance on Channel 5? Well, I have. I was slightly tired, I must admit, on Tuesday when I did Liverpool against Vigiland, and I was hoping for six, seven, eight, maybe nine goals from Liverpool to keep me going. And when it turned out to be what it was, it was the old matchsticks in <laughs> half-time to keep me, keep, keep me going. But... I, had a, we, I thought we had an absolutely great time. I really enjoyed it. We were made to feel really welcome. And it was really quite humbling, the feedback that we got. Everybody seemed to enjoy it with us, which is obviously what we wanted to happen, because that, that's what it's all about. It's about sitting back and enjoying it. If you're going to be up at that time in the morning, at least, at least go to bed thinking, well, that was a bit of fun. So it, I really enjoyed it. I presume you did as well. Yeah, exactly the same sentiment. I thought uh, it, it was nice that they just said, guys, just do what whatever you want to do, really. Uh, you know, because we were on with Matt Money-Smith, we who were. is the voice of the Chargers. He's yes. the voice of the San Diego Chargers. He's their radio announcer, and he's got a big, bold voice. He's full of personality, lots of character. Also used to play ice hockey for the LA Kings, which I didn't know. I didn't know until that night when he put his shirt up in the corner. Yeah, and the LA Kings... Uh, I don't talk about it that often and I don't know why, but I, I did three network shows in America, two for ABC and one for NBC. The, uh, probably the reason I don't talk about it is because they all flopped. <laughs> 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 but they kept asking me back. I don't understand why. Uh, so the LA Kings became this kind of go-to event that was on because it was on during springtime. So obviously there was no football that I could go and watch in the LA or Bay area. Uh, or down in San Diego. So I, I became an LA Kings fan. And I think ice hockey surprised me in the fact that it doesn't resonate as well as other sports. Because if you think about it, all the other sports in America, apart from soccer, they're all stop-start. Ice yeah. hockey keeps going. Yeah. Ice hockey is like a football game on ice. Mm. And, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, it, and the, the demographic of the ice hockey fans seemed to be working-class Mexicans 
And once they get a beer inside them, oh my goodness me, the atmosphere is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Scrapping everywhere. It was brilliant. I've not got a great experience of ice hockey games in the US, but when I used to go over with Crossy, our producer, he's obsessed with, with ice hockey. So I mean, he's, he's a fantastic ice hockey commentator in his own right. So he does the Olympic Games and all that. Knows everything about the sport. So it, it's Crossy's big thing. So, of course, you get dragged along. I, you know, I, I enjoyed when I seen the New Jersey Devils, which, which, which I thought was really good, etc. The two stories stand out. We went to do a documentary on the Green Bay Packers. And he managed to blag what were described as VIP tickets. So this, like, amateur ice hockey game. All right, well, let, let me just stop you there, jump in quickly. Okay, every time you two mention we had to scrape around for seats... You've yeah. not got good history here because let's not forget you two ended up in the scoreboard at Candlestick Park once they because did. they'd forgotten about you. Yeah, I, I can't even remember what this team was called. But, <laughs> um, they were the Green Bay Gamblers. That's it. They were called the Green Bay Gamblers, right? And the fella that was one of the, the, the broadcasters who covered the Packers was like the play-by-play guy for this Green Bay Gamblers group. <clears throat> the arena <clears throat> was dropping to bits. I mean, it was all over the place. So when we get there, <clears throat> Crossy's got these tickets. You know, oh, the VIP tickets will be fine. So when we got there, the VIP area was just like, you know, you get the netting around an ice hockey rink, or you used to in the good old days. Yeah. We've got plexiglass now. They'd still got the netting stuff and all that. So at each end, literally behind the goal, were the VIP areas. There weren't like any rooms or anything like that. So when we get there, you can go to that end or that end. And it's whether you want to eat or whether you want to drink. But you can't do both. No! So, so there's chicken wings and stuff at one end and all the ale is at the other. <laughs> so you can tell where we were. We were straight down the, straight down the drink end and that, that was that for the night. So we did the Green Bay Gamblers. And then another time, we went to Philadelphia. And it was the game where Michael Vick... Um, played against Donovan McNabb. McNabb came back with the Redskins and Michael Vick had had that great season and then he got injured, if you remember, against the Redskins. And we were doing the play-by-play back to, to the UK on Five Live. Um, so we'd been there. It was my birthday that weekend. So we decided to run the Rocky Steps. So we did all that, me and Crossy tearing up the Rocky Steps like thinking we were heavyweight contenders. But then that day, he decided that he wanted to go to a, an ice hockey shop. He'd found an ice hockey shop in the middle of nowhere. And he wanted to buy some bits for Michael, his lad, who played ice hockey at the time. So I'm thinking we're going to go and get you know, all the gear. We turned up. We drove for hours, miles. It was in the middle of nowhere, this ice hockey shop. We walked in, Vern, and I have never smelled a shop that smelled like that. It was horrendous. It smelled like they were selling used socks. It stunk. Oh, no. Crossy is in his element. He's there. We must have been in the shop for three quarters of an hour. It stunk. And I think he turned up with like two rolls of tape or something daft like that. We got all that way. We nearly ran out of petrol on the way back. It was just, so the ice hockey thing, I mean, it's all right for Matt Money Smith and you doing the LA Kings, but I'm getting dragged all over the place by <laughs> these random places in the United States. So I kind of give it a bit of a pass, if, if I'm honest. I'll tell you what I would say about Monday night, though, and I want your opinion on this. This is our podcast, so we can say what we like. Be honest with me, right? Be absolutely honest. Did you think at some stage that Matt Money-Smith was going to get changed? Oh, we've got to explain what happened. All right, fumble lights. So listen to this. So 
usually what happens, Sky have started doing it now in their promo for their, uh, like, let's say Monday night football. And I'm not talking American football. I'm talking uh, in the studio. Uh, I forget the name, the presenter. What's his name? The main guy now on Sky. Uh, David. David. For which? What's his name? Oh, David Jones. David Jones, yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry, I thought he meant for the NFL, for the football, no, no, yeah. Apologies. Yeah, yeah. So, so David yeah. Jones is sat there, he's all suited and booted and he looks lovely. And then the two guests are sat in the chair looking quite casual. They've got like the tracky top on, uh, jeans, some casual trainers. And what it is, it's like a, a pre-show show where they talk up the game, it's put in as a promo, then the guests go off. Dave Jones has already got his gear on, his show gear. The guests go off, they go and get changed. So Darren and I did a, a pre-show link, making sure that our connections on Zoom were tight. And Matt Money-Smith is sat there in a casual hoodie, looked like jogging bottoms, I think it was. They were quite wide jeans, actually, Vern, when, when I looked at them. They, they were quite wide jeans. Right, okay. Yeah. So he sat there with his trainers on, and I think, you know, he's quite casual, this guy, in a hoodie on, 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 on network telly. Uh, so I said, okay, guys, we'll come back to you in half an hour. Half an hour later, he's still wearing the same gear. I know. And I'm like, oh, wow! Kirsten had made a huge effort. She obviously yeah. knew we were on, so she'd made a huge effort that night, looked really smart. And then Matt had got the camouflage hoodie. I couldn't see him half the time because he was wearing camouflage. I didn't know where he was. <laughs> so it, it was, I just looked and thought, wow, he's, you know, he's, he's not really made much of an effort in terms of the gear. And then they threw to Maurice Jones-Drew at SoFi Stadium, didn't they, where, where the game was. What a set of guns he got, MJD. He'd still got the running back arms, hadn't he? I was, yeah. I was blown away by them. I thought, if he ran into you now, he, you'd know about it. You know, he'd still he, he, always was like, he always was like a bowling ball, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, yeah. he's quite squat, wide-bodied, quite podgy. And I mean yeah. that in a good way, not in a bad way. But he's the kind of guy that you could never get hold of uh, no. if he ran up the middle. or he's no. just, And he's still the same. So he must be keeping fit in the gym. And, and Matt and uh, Maurice had a, had, a, had a gun show, didn't they? So they're, yeah. they're still both pretty ripped. I was really excited to tell them at one stage that Britain's greatest bridges followed them at 3.30 <laughs> in the morning. Because you, you, you always get, you know when you watch the, the broadcast from, from the US? They'll kind of say, you know, and after us tonight, 60 minutes, you know, Donald Trump explains why he's going to win the election. Or it used to be, you know, the season premiere tonight of Murder, She Wrote with Angela Lansbury. Um, so they must be going into these big programs in, in the US at that time. And then Channel 5 were going into Britain's greatest bridges at 3.30 in the morning. And I kind of thought, well, I can, I can, I can, I can work out in my own mind why someone stayed up to watch the Bears and the Rams. But surely nobody's at 3.30 in the morning thinking, oh, great, let's have a look at these bridges then. Because I think it's the Humber Bridge and my mate thinks it's the Seven Bridge. <laughs> so I'm just wondering what the viewing figures are like for Britain's greatest bridges at half three on a Tuesday morning. Oh, they've got to be on a par with CFAX or tele Teletext. I mean, unless, unless you've got a serious drug addiction and you can't go to sleep, you just put the telly on for background noise. Britain, yeah. Britain's greatest bridges is getting no viewers, Darren. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, I, I thought about that because I, I thought, yeah, Vern's right. You know, this is this is someone. People up at that time are either at work and should be working, but they're watching the telly, so you shouldn't be watching anyway. Or as you say, you know, you've got serious recreational habits that are keeping you <laughs> up in the wee small hours. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be a better idea at three thirty to stick on the Happy Mondays in concert or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> kind of then getting in tune with the people that are there with you at that time in the morning. There aren't any bridge enthusiasts who are up at 3.30. I've got to tell them that. You know, if you're a scheduler at Channel 5, nobody's interested in bridges at half past three in the morning. Oh, it was a classic. Yeah. An absolute classic. Yeah. But yeah, we enjoyed it. And yeah. uh, I hope they get us back because it was a lot of fun. And we didn't really get bogged down in statistics and facts and stats. No, which was quite nice. I spent the night singing verses of the Super Bowl shuffle, shuffle if memory serves me correctly. <laughs> yeah. He was going to try and catch me, Matt Bunny Smith. But all those lyrics of that song are ingrained in my mind. It was nice, though, that when, when they did do some uh, analysis of the game, Matt just flicked a switch. Did you notice that? Yeah. And, and he went into analyst mode. He was doing charge your play-by-play then. Well, he, he was doing the day job at that stage. And he did it brilliantly, didn't he? Yeah. I, I was really impressed. Yeah, it was great. What, he did a lot of that kind of holding it himself, didn't he? He wasn't bouncing off too much. He got, he got the ability to hold it like that and keep it relevant and interesting, which I thought was a real, a real skill. He was a really good guy to work with. I, I, he made me feel really welcome and you as well, which is, which is not always easy to do when they're in LA, I'm in Nottingham, and you were at home in the, in the man shed. So it's not easy to do that, to get that togetherness, but I, I, I thought they did it brilliantly. Yeah, it was nice. And, and I think what, what's also important is that they seem to have a nice balance, like I said, of Matt switching it on, Kirsten leading the ship yeah. with, with, with a handful of guests. You know, there was a guy on from St. Helens who used to play rugby league for, for St. Helens, or we thought. We thought so, didn't we? Then it transpires <laughs> he was in the WWE. You messaged me because we were like, because we, we couldn't speak to each other, but we could, we could WhatsApp. So we didn't know who he was. His name was Stu Bennett, wasn't it? But we didn't yeah, know. And, and Stu, Stu, if anyone, if anyone grasses on us for yeah. not knowing who you were, we yeah. apologise. Yeah. We apologise. We don't watch the WWE, do we? So I haven't watched the WWE since, or WWF as it was, since 1987, yeah. when it was uh, the Hulk Hogan and yeah. uh, I don't know, Rowdy Roddy Piper. The Macho Man Randy Savage. The Macho Man Randy Savage, the Million Dollar Man. And who was, the Ultimate Warrior was always my favourite. Yeah, I think most of these are dead now as well, by the way. The, kind of the late Ultimate Warrior, the late Ted DiBiase, all that. Anyway, yeah, but... I'll let you <laughs> all, know, died, they all died because of their excessive steroid abuse. Yeah, and we're still up at 3.30 in the morning watching Britain's Greatest Bridges with the rest of them. So, but I'll, I'll let you into a little secret of Vernon. He actually texts me and I kind of say, said, Vern, who's this fella? And Vern kind of messaged back, I don't really know. And then Vern said, look at his nose. He must play rugby. You were stereotyping there. So we just presumed then that he was playing either rugby league or rugby union. I said he, he might be playing for witness or somebody like that. And then all of a sudden it transpires that he'd been a, a wrestler. And Oh, it was a classic. Yeah. So it that was, was a classic. Good. Yeah. Yeah, but I hope the invited back because, like I said, we had a we had a lot of fun. Uh, and the one, game, though, let's just one thing I do talk about the game. We don't want to get bogged down in the game in the Rams. Bears. Let me just tell you this though, before we do, one thing I would do differently next time is I would send photos where I'm thinner. <laughs> I've lost a bit of weight during lockdown, and I kind of looked at myself thinking, "Oh my God, look at the state of you." That so picture so of you and Ray Lewis. Wow. That's the first time I've ever seen that. So that was good to know. I'd like you to send me that because I can't... Hey, Darren, it didn't come from me. Oh, did it not? No. No, 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 not at all. Did you put it on your Instagram? It certainly didn't come from me. (laughs) Did they rip it from your Instagram? No idea. (laughs) No idea. Maybe Stu Bennett had it and he sent it. He was perhaps with us that night. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) 
I'll tell you what, though, in that picture, you look absolutely rat-arsed. Yeah, I am. Like, one eye was in the back of my head, the other eye was going over there. <laughs> I was all over the shop. Yeah. yeah, I'm not proud of that. Well, I am. Uh, I'm really proud of it. Let's, let's, not, let's, not be, let's not be all prim and proper. I am delighted at the state I got in that night. I'm just yeah. glad I'm here to talk about it. All but right. the game, I mean, it was, if you're a Bears fan, it was so distressing and disappointing. I mean, what the hell is Matt Nagy doing as a coach? He cannot get out of his own way. Can't call a game. Nick Foles has gone in and is no better than Mitchell Trubisky. They can't run the ball. They're going to go as far as the defence takes them. But as we saw on Monday night, they are completely gassed by the third quarter because they're just on the field all the time trying to win games. The offence was outscored by the defence. And this is a team that's 5-2. and two. It's a bit of a shambles. I've been listening to a lot of Chicago radio this week, which I do all the time. They're saying that he's got to stop calling plays. And he's got to turn it over to, to, to John Filippo or Bill Lazor. They're now speculating as to whether Trubisky should come back in. They're picking his play selections apart on a minute-by-minute minute basis. I mean, the, the interception in the end zone that, that we all kind of put our head in our hands. He got two of the smallest players in the club on the field at that time. Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller, both under six feet tall. The two tight ends, the red zone threats, Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham were on the bench. I mean, you just kind of look at it and think, this just makes no sense whatsoever. But he has a winning record this season. He's got a winning record as the head coach of the Bears. He's not going anywhere. You can't sack a guy with a winning record. So I don't quite know where they go from here, but, but they just look so far away from it on Monday night that, you know, I, would, I don't mind making the odd bold prediction on this, this podcast. I would say at this stage that they will not make the playoffs from five and two. I just don't think they're good enough. Every team they play, Vernon, that is good, Chicago, they're going to lose unless yeah. something dramatic changes. And I just can't see what that is. I agree. I just think they should hand over the playbook to Nick Foles. Let's not forget, Nick Foles has got a wealth of experience. Okay? Yeah. And, all right, he's not an elite quarterback, but the guys won a Super Bowl. And one thing that was notable... The, the, the most important play or the most recognised play in that Super Bowl that we saw against the Patriots in Minnesota was the Philly special, right? So when you watch that clip of the Philly special, it's actually Falls who says, what about Philly Philly? Yeah. And the coach turns around and says, let's do it. Yeah. Go for it. Nick yeah. Falls calls the plays. So this let him... Because a quarterback gets a sense of what the defense is trying to do. If a quarterback can read a defense, the quarterback understands the defense straight away. And all right, the, the, the Rams showed a few different looks, but pre predominantly you've got Aaron Donald in the middle and you know it's coming. So let the quarterback feel his way through that defense. Yeah, but also <clears throat> Nick Foles is, is one of the least mobile quarterbacks in the whole of the NFL. Yet you're giving him rollout plays to do. And he has no athleticism. So the interception is a rollout to his left. He's a right-handed quarterback. So not only is he not very mobile, but he's actually rolling to the wrong side. So he's got to throw across his body to a small receiver whilst on the run, which he's not particularly good at. So the call actually makes no sense for the personnel that he has on the field. And when you mention the Philly special... If we go back to Matt Nagy's first year as the head coach in Chicago, when they won 12 games, I think it was, or certainly 11, and made the playoffs and, and went out via the double doink against Philadelphia, he called the Philly special in one of those 
regular season games. And it was Tariq Cohen who threw the touchdown pass to whoever it was. And he's gone from being that imaginative play caller to, I think, almost out-coaching himself. Yeah. It's a really dangerous thing to do. If you start yeah. to out-think yourself, you've got no chance. And it looks yeah. to me as though that's exactly what he's doing. I mean, look, you talk about Aaron Donald. We said it on Monday night. Why is every run that Chicago doing directed straight at Aaron Donald? Run outside. You know, just go away from him. There must be weaker points on the Rams' defense to run at than number 99, who's the greatest defensive player in the league at the minute. I mean, what, what are you doing? What are you, and he's got this sheet. He holds this, the play sheet. And I don't know whether you've seen what he writes on it. It says, be you on the back. Be yeah, you. I've seen that, yeah. Don't be, don't be anybody else. Be you. That's the problem. He should start writing. Be someone else. Have a yeah. bash at <laughs> being Sean McVay. Just be anybody but Matt Nagy, because then they might have a chance to win. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. God. It's a classic. But I think you came out with a great line in saying that Matt Nagy is the head coach that the Bears organisation wanted. I said that Sean McVay is the head coach that Matt Nagy wants to be. Because he's right. a, a yeah. wonderfully imaginative guy. and He yeah. can't make a, a silk purse out of a sow's ear, to borrow a phrase in NFL terms. Yeah. And when he's got good personnel on the field, he can make it work. And I think Nagy secretly thinks, I want to be Andy Reid, I want to be Sean McVay. But he's not to that level. And you've got to remember, too, that when he worked for Andy Reid, Andy Reid called the plays. You know, Matt Nagy wasn't calling the, the game when he was working for Andy Reid. That's what Andy Reid does. So he's essentially calling in place as a head coach for the first time because he didn't call them when he was on Andy Reid's staff and it seems to me that he's not very good at it you know it's like sending me into the kitchen and saying look it, it's it's our wedding anniversary tonight can you cook us a nice meal I'd be saying listen I'm not your guy you need somebody else if you want beans on toast in the microwave fine and I think Matt Nagy's got to look at this and go if you want competent NFL offensive play calling I'm not your man but he's really good, Vern, at creating a culture. So as a head coach, pulling everybody together, making sure the locker room is what it needs to be, managing all those people, he's really good at it. So I'm yeah. not saying lose him as a head coach. I'm just saying take away those play-calling duties to someone who can do it better. You've played the game on defence and you watch you know, Premier League matches. These great teams play well when they can play fast and they can play with the rhythm. And the one thing you never see from a Chicago offense is any kind of rhythm. They're always jolty and jerky and bizarre things are happening all the time. And you think, where's he gone? I mean, yeah. Cole Komet caught a 38-yarder in, in the first or second quarter. And we never saw him again. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, this is your, your number one draft pick. You think he's going to be a difference maker on offense. He, he stretches the field for you. And then you don't see him again because he, he's on the bench for pretty much the rest of the night. So I don't, I don't see... Too many positives on the offence. And I think it's going to be a long season unless they can sort it out, even though they've got five wins. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Darren. Uh, let's go to happier times. Happier times in uh, South Florida. Yes. Tom Brady is on fire. The Buccaneers absolutely roasted the Las Vegas Raiders at the weekend. Tom Brady looks happy, looks content. All right, let's, let's be honest. After their first loss, he didn't look happy coming off the field. There was a little bit of uh, controversy which was stirred up by the media about his relationship with the head coach. However, they seem to have turned that round. Rob Gronkowski's got in the end zone. It looks like old-school Tom Brady is back. The Tampa Bay defence is phenomenal, I'll be honest with you. It is so quick 
that uh, any running back or quarterback who gets the ball is under pressure straight away. How do you think this team is going to fare getting into halfway points of the season? Well, I'm going to give you some Tom Brady numbers in a minute. And, and they're quite astonishing, really. But I, I just want to kind of throw... They always say you shouldn't answer a question with a question. But it got me thinking today, because the Steelers play the Ravens this week, and that's always a really good signpost game in the AFC. But it got me thinking, who is the best team in the NFL? And the first three names that I wrote down on a piece of paper were Kansas City Chiefs, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to me, at the moment, they look to be certainly the best team in the NFC. And I still think they're going to get better because I think the offense is going to get better the longer Brady has to understand it and build relationships, the better it's going to get. And it's, it's a fascinating point that you raised that they've gone to another level in the last two weeks because they're now starting to incorporate Gronkowski into the game plan a lot more than they were. So he's probably back into game shape, game ready. The body's probably hardened again and he's ready to, to make some catches. And, and I, I think at the moment you can make a really solid case that if Tom Brady and the Buccaneers play any team in the NFL on a neutral field, I think it would be hard at this stage of the season, and it is really changeable, so let's remember that, but it would be hard at this stage of the season to make a serious case against them because mm. they look like the kind of team that can score points with Kansas City, which is always the, the big issue there, isn't it? You know, the offense is clicking brilliantly, so I think they're for real. I, we had them as the Super Bowl team, didn't we, from the NFC pre-season, and I wouldn't change that by any stretch. It's interesting that they're finding success, but Brady isn't really utilising people like Mike Evans. Not really. Not really shown up yet. No, they're injured. Godwin's been injured. Evans has been injured. He lost OJ Howard. He's had Leonard Fournette out. This is a banged-up offence that's scoring all these points. But he's great like that. I mean, he never really had the stars in, in New England. He can make a star out of a really average player. He's really good at that. But you start to wonder, when it gets to playoff time and everybody's healthy, which I presume they will be, that's going to be a frightening prospect to try and slow that down. And don't forget, they've, they've dragged Antonio Brown into the mix as well, who has to be the greatest number three receiver in the history of the league because you go Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. I mean, there's never been a number three like Antonio Brown, not in, not in my recollection anyway. <laughs> Mad. And by the way, apparently he's looking great on the practice field, so... It, it, it's crazy times in Tampa Bay. Give us them Tom Brady numbers, Darren. Right, so people talk about Brady's arm strength, and this was the big knock when he was in New England, that people started to say, look, he, he hasn't got the arm strength that he's got. But I just want to give you some comparisons. So this is with regard to Tom Brady's arm strength. So the first set of numbers are 15-plus air yards. Okay, so it kinds of go plus 15 and plus 20. They're the number. Don't really go much further than that. Plus 15 through the air. He was completing 46% of his passes in 2007 over 15 yards. And he's completing 56% of his passes over 15 yards this year. If you go to plus 20, so passes over 20 yards, he was completing 42% 13 years ago. And he's completing 46% wow. this year. And it kind of indicates that there is wow. nothing wrong with Brady's arm strength. He's never been the mad bomber. You know, yeah. he's had the one year with Randy Moss where he, he lit the scoreboard up. But he's always been more of a mid-range thrower. But it, I don't think you necessarily gauge arm strength by how far you can throw it. 
it's whether you can get that ball to cut through over 15, 20 yards, those kind of passes where you can get them in there with zip because they're the difficult ones to complete. And I think when you look at Brady's arm strength at the minute, even at the age he's at, his arm is still as good as it needs to be in the NFL to make Tampa Bay a really good team. I'd love to be in the locker room or I'd love to be in kind of Tom Brady's WhatsApp group with his teammates because you can tell that he's got the passion for the game. He said he's got the passion for the game and he wants to play for several more years. But you just get a sense that no, he's starting to really get back that energy that he resonates throughout the whole of the sideline. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can tell his teammates are with him. They believe his top line. They believe the Tom Brady IP. I think initially it will have taken a few people by surprise how much he understands and knows the game and what he wants from the game. And I think that's where that argument came from or that alleged debate with him and the head coach. The fact that Brady knows pretty much whatever there is to know about offense. And it's introducing that into a new team with new players who haven't necessarily had that winning mentality. Do you think as well that when you look at the success that Tampa Bay have this year, it will squarely be down to Tom Brady? Nobody is going to say, oh, Bruce Arians has done a great job. It's not going to happen. As far as this team goes, if they win the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the year, everybody's going to put it down to the influence of Tom Brady. I think Bruce Yeah, there is no debate now. And it was always, well, is it Belichick or is it Brady? And they had to share the love. I bet he's absolutely loving it, being the man and taking all the credit. And everybody's saying, well, it's down to you. Because if anybody deserves to be lauded like that, it's Tom Brady. And he's only ever got 50% of the affection because the other 50 went to his head coach. So he must be reveling in the fact that finally he is the man and everybody in the room is saying, thank you, Tom, because without you, this isn't happening. Whereas in New England, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to be in some of those player-coach meetings with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. We're like, right, who's up next? What's the game plan? Tom, over to you. Yeah, I'm going to go and get a coffee. Yeah. I'll leave yeah. you with you. Yeah. I, Tom, here's the pointer. Lead the way, my friend. Yeah. So it, it must be great to, to be him. And I just hope it continues because I, I think... We've never had a team win a Super Bowl on their own field. We could potentially get that this year with with the game being in Tampa um, at the end of the the season. And it's it's an unbelievable NFL story anyway, what he's achieved to this point. But to then go to another team that wasn't even a playoff team last year, and if he could lead them all the way, any argument about him being the greatest NFL player of all time, forget quarterback, he's the best player yeah. of all time. If, if, I, if I said to you, look, you're starting a franchise and you can either have Jerry Rice or Tom Brady, you're taking Tom Brady all day long. It's just, a, just a, a, an insane argument that, that yeah. Jerry Rice is the greatest player. Tom Brady is way more valuable than Jerry Rice. So if you could do that, any debate, surely there can't be one, but if there are still people out there who would suggest that he's not the greatest quarterback that we've ever seen for whatever bizarre reason. That would just end it, surely. If he could do it in New England and then go somewhere else and do it year one, that's, that's that. The best thing that I like about Tom Brady, right, and all the naysayers say that Manning was better in this, that and the other. All right, so the past 18 years, Tom Brady has been to a Super Bowl every other year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he had some back-to-back, but if you spread them out, he was at a Super Bowl every other year for the past yeah. 18 years. 
I always make the analogy when people throw the Manning and Brady argument out there. And it's really simple. Peyton Manning is probably the, the best regular season NFL quarterback that I've ever seen. Peyton Manning had a problem in the playoffs that Tom Brady's never had. And one of the problems that Peyton Manning had was Tom Brady, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he couldn't get past them on, on, a, on, a, on a regular enough basis. And I always make the analogy. Remember the cricketer, Devon Malcolm? Right, so Devon would play for England against a lesser test-playing team. And he'd get six for 54. You know, eight for 75. And he'd be great. Play the Aussies, he'd get one for 120. Because he was great against bang average test teams. And when he played Australia, he'd struggle. And yeah. then you look at a player like Sir Kirtley Ambrose, who thrived under the pressure of the big test arena against the Aussies. Shane Warne, who, when you played an Ashes test, you knew that you'd get the best out of Shane Warne when the lights shine brightest. And he's that person that I think he needs that adrenaline rush of the biggest moments out there to get the best out of him. And I'm not saying that Peyton Manning's not a great quarterback. Of course he is. He's just not as good or effective or successful as Tom Brady. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. No. There's nothing wrong with that. No. No. I think, no, you know, anyway, people know, Fumble know how I feel about Tom Brady. I mean, I, I just think he's outrageous. Absolutely ridiculous. He really is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Patriots are two and four for the first time since 2000, so 20 years ago, which was Bill Belichick's first season with the wow. team. Yeah, the 27-point loss that they suffered last weekend is the worst loss of the Belichick era. These are the numbers that I couldn't wait to bring you. I'm actually excited by these. Right. These are Cam Newton's passer ratings game by game. Right. Starting with game one. This season? Yep, and yep. finishing last week. Right. The first game for New England, his passer rating was 100.7. Okay. Game two, his passer rating was 94.6. Game three, his passer rating was 73.8. Game four, the passer rating was 51.6. And his last game, 39.7. Cam Newton is getting progressively worse game by game 
as the quarterback of the New England Patriots. Now, you would expect that to go the other way, wouldn't you? You'd yeah. expect him to start off slowly and build it and understand the system and get to know the team and play better. He's getting worse game on game. And I don't think 73.8 downwards is starting quarterback territory. I, I think they'll take a long, hard look at Stidham and whatever else they can get their hands on. I think Cam Newton is going to be a really short-lived experiment in New England because it's clearly not working. He doesn't fit the offense. They don't seem to suit him. It looks like a gamble that's not going to work. And the numbers would back that up because there's got to be a lot more consistency. When you go from 100.7 down to 39.7, I mean, that's dropping off a cliff in, in quarterback terms. So there's a big problem. There's a big disconnect there between what Cam wants to do and is able to do and what New England need him to do. So that, that would be a big worry for me. He doesn't look comfortable, to be honest with you, Darren, in a New England uniform. I, he, I think I, the football that they want to play, I think it's beyond his capability. It's beyond his skill set. I don't think he can deal with it because he just looks completely out of his depth. The balls that he's throwing are short. They're not yeah. on target. If you saw Julian Edelman's reaction on Sunday, throwing his helmet down because of the absolute disgrace that the offense is, the quarterback is responsible for 90% of what goes on on the offensive side of the football. And we've talked to Tom Brady and we've, we've talked about how, how amazing he is with the knowledge of his game and the knowledge of the game. Cam Newton has got none of that and it's showing. And I don't think he's going to make two more games, I'll be honest with you. I yeah. think he's out the door. I'm with you. It's two more <clears throat> sets of numbers. Um, the Dallas Cowboys have trailed by at least 10 points in six consecutive games for the first time in 59 years. Oh, I mean, they do absolutely stink. And then I'm going to finish off with some good news and some bad news for the NFC East. Right. The line NFC East. The good news is that teams in the NFC East this week went two and two, which is a big victory for them. The bad news is it's only because they played each other. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they went two and two which was fine because two had to win and two had to lose. So they went two and two only because they played each other. The worst division in football. It breaks my heart. You and I got into this sport in the 1980s and the NFC was the hottest ticket in town. The Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, the Washington Redskins, playoff teams, Super Bowl teams, the Philadelphia Eagles in there too. No such thing as an easy divisional game week upon week. And now it absolutely stinks. So... I think the Redskins, bizarrely, are probably the best team in there. And they've not even got a starting quarterback. <laughs> they might just be the best team in the division. It's absurd. Absolutely absurd. Jerry Jones needs to get out gate from under his own feet. Yeah. I think he needs to hand the reins of general manager over to someone whose surname isn't Jones. Yeah. Because if Stephen Jones takes over, it's just like for like. You know? Yeah. Look, there's been a lot of speculation this week about what teams are going to do moving towards the trade deadline. And... and I listened to Colin Cowherd in the US and he made a really good point. He knows the NFL and he said, look, the Dallas Cowboys at the moment don't need wide receivers. They're trying to build a franchise. They don't need, you know, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. You may as well trade one of them. They need picks, not receivers. They're so bad on defense. And the offensive line now is starting to fall apart. They've got a really good running back. They've got great receivers. When he's healthy, they've got a decent quarterback. But they've got big holes. So on the defensive side, they've got a completely change that unit. And to do that, they need lots of picks. So it's okay having three wide receivers who all could potentially go to the Pro Bowl. 
But if the defence is giving up 45 points a game, there's not a great deal you can do. So I thought it was a really valid point that it might be time for them to look at that receiving core and say, look, we've got to sacrifice one of these. I mean, C.D. Lamb would be the obvious one to keep because yeah. he's one you can have there for the next decade or so as a, a real top liner. Surely you take a, a look at Michael Gallup and, and Amari Cooper and see you know, what the value out there is for those two. If you can nick a first-round pick for one of those two, then surely you, you, you've got to do it if you're down because you need, you need picks. Yeah, and it's a really good point because if you look at the young talent of quarterback that is around in the NFL, if you look at San Diego, look at Cincinnati – Look at what Josh Allen has done in Buffalo. And they brought in uh, a real high-ranking wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, from Minnesota. That, seemed, that relationship seems to be getting better and better every week. I think it's a great proposition. Get rid of one of the receivers. Go and help another team. Because th- these young quarterbacks are desperate for good receivers. They really are. are. Teams, there are teams out there looking for wide receivers. I mean, there's a lot of speculation this week that they might be about to have some kind of fire sale in Houston because they're not going to win. So they're considering trading Will Fuller. And the Green Bay Packers are apparently interested in Will Fuller. So if they're interested in Will Fuller, they'd be interested in Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper. So there are teams in the league at the moment who are almost in win-now mode and they might need the finishing piece. I mean, look, the Baltimore Ravens clearly want the receiver because they just put Des Bryant on the practice squad. So You're not played for three years. Right, so there are teams that need wide receivers who think they can be a playoff team and a potential Super Bowl team this year. So why not, if you're Dallas, go and take advantage of it, get yourself an extra first rounder, start the rebuild this year, because, you know, they're going to get a high pick. They're going to be in the top five, the way it's looking at the minute, with the defence they've got. So it would make a lot of sense. I thought that was quite a valid point. Well, the Cardinals did that, didn't they, to help Kyler Murray? Yeah. You know, they traded for, uh, what's his name, at Texas, and David Johnson went the other way. Yeah, but if you look at a team like Chicago, there's a bit of doubt over Alan Robinson's contract. But if, if Matt Nagy wants an offence that's going to function properly, he needs a bit better than Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller along with Alan Robinson. You know, so there's an offence that could do with a playmaker. If that's the offence that Nagy wants to run, you know, Ryan Pace in Chicago might say, yeah, we'll take a, a first-round receiver. That's not a problem. We'll give you a second-round pick or whatever we give. We'll give you the, you know, decent compensation. There are teams out there the 49ers may, may fancy doing it. You know, they're so injured at the moment in that area. And, and you know, John Lynch has never been afraid to make a deal. So there are teams... Hey, out let's there. be honest, Darren. John Lynch has never been afraid of anything when it comes to football. The um, man is hard as nails. Yeah, exactly. 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 I'm with you. Brilliant. Uh, all right. So, come on then. Uh, big question. Who is the best team in the NFL? Oh, dear. I would still say at the minute, if, if, if you said to me, right, look, you know, there's going to be a little mini tournament and you've got to pick one and, and if you lose, they're going to take your house. I would still side with Patrick Mahomes at this stage. I, I, I just think when all's said and done, if you want one person in the league at the minute, even over Brady and everything we've said, I, I would still go with the defending champions. I've not seen anything at the moment to indicate that they're, They've slipped a great deal. So I, I still would say the Chiefs. Okay, I'm going to go uh, with the nemesis for the past couple of years. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Okay. I, I think Lamar Jackson will prove himself against the Steelers this week because Big Ben can't get out the pocket for love and money. 
I think the Ravens' defense will have his card marked. On the flip side of the ball, uh, Mr. Watt for yeah. Pittsburgh on the outside. Fantastic pass rusher. This is where Lamar Jackson will take one look. He's not even going to check down any pass this weekend. I guarantee it. He's going to be out of that pocket and gone. And that's where we'll go, oh, Lamar Jackson. Oh, I remember him. Yeah. He's back. This could He's be the coming out game for this year, couldn't it? For this yeah. Season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Definitely. All right, well, there you go. I've gone Ravens. You've gone uh, Kansas City. Uh, those were our picks anyway, so we've not changed. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think I went, I went Kansas City in the AFC and the Buccaneers. Oh, I went Baltimore, didn't I? I, went Bal- I? I said Baltimore for the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah I've got to stick with that. Yeah, but I, I, I think Kansas City are the best team at the minute. All right, well, there you go. Let's wrap it up here, Darren, because I know you've got to run off. What, what, what function have you got this evening? Well, I've got to record another podcast, a new one called Froch on Fighting with Carl Froch. And obviously this weekend, it's Derek Delboy Chisora against Alexander Usyk, the big pay-per-view um, fight on, on Sky this weekend. So David Hay is Derek Chisora's manager, so we're going to sit down and have a conversation with the haymaker about Chisora Usyk with the Cobra. So I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be entertaining. And Usyk is a beast, right? This is his, this is his first proper fight at heavyweight because hasn't he been middle heavy before, if there is yeah, such a thing? Cruiser. He, and he, That's he, it, cruiserweight. He's an undisputed cruiserweight champion, so he's trying to follow the same path as Evander Holyfield. He's had a couple of heavyweight fights, and he's quite a big guy for a cruiser, so he should carry the weight okay. But this is the first big test, and David's convinced that Chisora is going to stop him. But whenever you look at the pound-for-pound pound list, he's in everybody's top five. Great amateur career, Olympic champion, undefeated, you know, unanimously considered one of the greatest cruiserweights of, of all time. He's in that list with Holyfield and not too many others. So he could, but if he, if he really turns it on at the weekend against Chisora, then he's going to go right into the mix of, of Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Dillian White. You know, he's, he's going to, he might become a mandatory challenger pretty quickly to one of those guys. Wow. The two champions that we're talking about. So his training videos are outrageous, Darren. Yeah, it's a massive fight for him. So, and, and I, I, I personally think, and I, I think David will disagree, but I'm going to ask him anyway. My view is that if Usyk is as good as he is supposed to be as a heavyweight, he has to beat Chisora easily because Chisora is not elite. You know, Tyson Fury beat him with one hand. I mean, I know he's he's better than that now. David thinks Chisora is going to win, but my view is if, if Usyk is as good as everybody says he is, he wins this fight easily. doesn't just win it, he wins it easily. Because if he can't beat Chisora easily, forget Tyson Fury, forget Anthony Joshua. So it's a big night for him. So we're going to be talking about that. So Eric, Eric's a lot of man, though, isn't he? Eric's a great guy. He's totally different, you know, to, to the person that you see. He, he, he's got, a, he's got a, like a farm, he's got animals. He's a real country squire away from the ring. Used to be mad as a hatter. I went out with him one night in London, the night before Carl fought George Groves, and he latched. I didn't know him. He just latched onto us. Like every bar you went in, you thought Chisora's going to turn this place over in a minute. He, you were on edge all night, and he got he got the Union Jack bandana around his face, and he, he was mad. But he's a completely different guy now. He, he's he's changed. He's taken the sport a lot more seriously. David's been saying that he's been training better than he's ever trained. He's really embraced the opportunity that he's got. He's a really misunderstood character. He's a fantastic company. He's a really interesting guy. And he's one of those people that you actually pull for and root for. So, you know, you quite fancy him to win at the weekend because he's, he's, he's such good value. But it's going to be a really tricky one for him. 
All right, nice. Look forward to that. And where, where can we get that podcast? Well, it's in the same place as the fumble. I, I, I don't know where you get all this stuff, but wherever you get the fumble, you can get that there. Right, and what's it called again? Remind us. Watch on fighting. Carl what? refused to do it unless his name, only his name was on the title. <laughs> there, was no, there was no way that I was going to argue with that because he's quite a, quite, a, quite a fearsome character himself. So I said, yeah, that's fine. Brilliant. And what game have you got this weekend, football-wise? We're doing Manchester City against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. And I fear the Blades might get an absolute twatting, I think is the, the technical term that you use on a Saturday morning. Yeah, I think they will. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, up the Blades, if, if, let's hope it goes well. Uh, Darren, as always, thank you. Loved it. By the way, let me just point this out because we put Zoom clips up from time to time. Um, Vernon's not working from home tonight, so the picture of the horse in the background doesn't belong to him. I didn't want anybody to <laughs> no, think. No, it's, it's a stag. Oh, it's a stag. I didn't want anybody to think Vernon had chosen that particular artwork for his man cave. He's not. <laughs> or, or, or I'm doing it for my grandma's. <laughs> <laughs> As always, this has been a Shooting Shark production. Get us wherever you get your podcast from, give us a rating, get us up there. And we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend in your fantasy. But for now, we will see you later.